after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Moving the Goalposts on the Empty the Bench Network. Uh, you can follow us. You can follow the Empty the Bench Network on YouTube.com slash ETB Network. You can follow us on ETBpodcasts.com. Uh, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Nick DMart. You can follow the show at MTGPETB. On Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Now TikTok. And you can follow Liam at Liam MTGP. Okay. (laughs) That was a lot. Um, So obviously there's a lot to get to today. Uh, A whole lot of NFL news. Uh, After uh, NFL on Christmas, it was one of the first times I've seen the NFL on Christmas completely overshadow the NBA on Christmas. the NFL just stole the NBA's thunder. Uh, one of them, I mean, one of the big stories is that the whole, you know, order, the whole hierarchy of the NFL changed because the Ravens went on the road and sort of embarrassed the 49ers and Brock Purdy through four interceptions. One of them, not really his fault, but three of them is bad enough. Um, uh, so a whole lot went on in that game. It was a pretty, uh, here's the thing with every top team in the NFL, we've seen weak spots from all of them. Um, Right now, the Eagles are seem almost seem to have hit a plateau, not in free fall, but have hit a plateau. Uh, The 49ers did lose three in a row earlier in the season, although that was mostly due to injuries. I mean, right now the 49ers are still in pretty good shape. They're still probably going to get the one seed. Um, the only thing it really showed was that they weren't immortal, that they're made of humans. Like, I I don't know. Uh, but it, it, look, when you look at all of these teams, they all have shown some sort of flashes of weakness. Um, but the Ravens win, I would say is probably the best one of all the top teams we've seen. Well, I actually have good news for 49ers fans. Um, the maintenance guy in my building is a 49er fan and, uh, he informed me that the 49ers know that they're going to see the Ravens again in the Super Bowl. So they didn't want to put anything good on tape. So they purposely played like that so that the Ravens wouldn't see anything good on tape. So the good news for the 49ers fans is that was the real reason they lost just because they didn't want to put anything good on tape for the <laughs> Ravens to uh, see. Um, but no, I, I, I agree. I, I think every team has shown weakness. I've been saying for a while, I think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC they're the best team in the NFL. I do also think that if you're a 49er fan, you could look at this and say, well, Purdy threw four interceptions. He had a really bad game. Um, if you take that out, then they're probably in good shape. Um, so I don't think it's it's the end of days for the 49ers. But uh, I, I still think that this, this was going to be the Super Bowl matchup. I, I still think that's going to be the Super Bowl matchup. I don't see teams in, the, in either conference better than either of those teams. Yeah, I mean, but anything could still happen. I mean, I, I don't think either team is. I, I think I agree that those two teams are the best in their respective conferences. I don't think, though, that – and I don't think either of them are head and shoulders better than everybody. I, I, I still think a lot can happen. I think the Bills could still beat the Ravens. I mean, I think well, the biggest – I think the biggest problem the Bills have is that they don't have home field. I agree. that Now, the issue also um, – the Rams are decent. So the 49ers are going to play the Rams – on the last game of the season. If the 49ers lose that, 
uh, and the Eagles hold serve, which they should, the Eagles would get the one seed. So the 49ers are not locked in to the one seed. Now, the Eagles getting the one seed would be a bigger deal than the 49ers getting the one seed because of the weather in Philadelphia where you'd have to go play. Um, so they would have a, a little bit bigger of an advantage with the one seed. But I, I think, like, if, if we watch the Eagles this week um, and the Cowboys this week and, and all these teams this week, I, I think that you would still say the 49ers are going to be the toughest team to beat in the NFC and the Ravens are still going to be the toughest team to beat in the AFC. But I, I agree. I would I would put Buffalo – I would put Buffalo right now over Kansas City. And then I think Buffalo and Miami are like this, and we'll see what happens when they play. But I, I think Buffalo is better than Miami. Well, we're going to see – they're going to play each other in the last We're going to find out. Um, I, I mean, first of all, I mean, Miami is going to be playing the Ravens. Uh, I was much higher on Miami earlier in the season, uh, mainly because they were better than I expected them going in. But – I really don't think they're. I, I don't. I, I think their offense is great. Although they're they the Cowboys, like you said last week, the Cowboys were the first team they beat with a winning record. If they go and the Cowboys are uniquely bad on the road, I don't know what they can do against the Ravens. I guess we're really gonna find out. The thing with the Bills is that they've had a lot of really bad games, but most of the time it's been playing down to their competition against playoff teams. I think they can beat anybody. I think. They could beat the Ravens if they play them. The only issue, like I said, is that they're going on the road. And going on the road in the playoffs just makes it that much harder. Um, I'm sure the Ravens are not as hard of a stadium to play in as Buffalo is. I mean, I, I uh, like Buffalo is a very tough place to play. But, yeah, I mean, but, um, but, I mean, a lot of those losses also, like the Jet loss and stuff, I, I don't think you can really count those, like, because the team really like rounds into form late in the season. Yeah. Like, it yeah. kind of reminds me of, um, it, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, I think you'll remember this, but like the year that Stanford didn't get into the playoff and because they lost to Northwestern week one. Well, like, they had two losses. They lost to Northwestern and then they lost to, uh, not Notre yeah. Dame, Washington State. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we had a second loss. But the point is that the first week of the season, you're really like yeah. not the team that you're going to be later in the season. So those- oh, no, I, I was, I, the, the thing that comes to mind with me is Ohio state losing to Virginia yeah, yeah, yeah. tech oh, yeah, the year yeah, they yeah. won the national championship. If you don't remember that year that they lost to Virginia tech, the entire sports world um, was just going crazy. Like, Oh my God, Ohio state lost. They're finished. Right. The season's over. I mean, you could pull up tweets of people saying that the season's over because they lost to Virginia tech. And then they ended up winning the whole, then they ended up winning the national championship. And now everybody forgets about it. Right, and last year, last year they were really good all year. The Bills, and then they should have lost. They got close to losing to a backup quarterback in the playoffs, and then lost badly to the Bengals in the next round. So, you know, once you get to the playoffs, everything is different. But I, I thought um, also this was a, the best day that they, the Dolphins have had all season because they, you know, Tua comes down, needs the drive to win the game, and um, takes it, and that was that was what they needed sort of a litmus test to prove that maybe they are better than what people are saying. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the thing is, is that I think beating up on bad teams and putting up really big numbers is a skill in and of itself. And I don't think that should be overlooked. Um, although I don't think it's unreasonable to look at a team like the Dolphins and say, okay, well, they're, they're not really great against superior teams. Uh, when their schedule is tough, I mean th- that's just op- that's just demonstrably true. Not that they couldn't beat anybody, but I mean, keep in mind the Cowboys are really bad on the road, like you, oddly bad on the road. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah. So I, 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 but I do still think that was a big win. Um, yeah, and, no, no, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's so I, I think there's going to be a lot better. Also, the NFL is not really like one season. The NFL is basically like 18 seasons all in one. Like, you know, like last week, everybody thought the 49ers are the greatest team ever. And now people think the 49ers suck and the Ravens are the greatest team ever. Well, it's just overreactions. Every, especially early in the season, every year uh, in college football and the NFL, there's crazy amounts of overreactions. I mean, every basketball season, or we frequently see teams that just start off really bad and nobody just has these freak outs about how bad this team is now. I mean, it, 
I mean, you can look at a team like the Warriors. I mean, they could start off with a losing record the first couple of months of the season. Nobody notices. I mean, in the NFL and college football, especially college, college is way, way more like this. I mean, that's that's part of the reason I think people love the NFL so much, uh, the NFL and college football. I think ultimately, I think that sports fans have a craving for there to be so how do I say this? So many stories in, in so many, oh, as you said, quote unquote seasons in a short amount of time to the point where September feels like ancient history. Like, yeah, like it was a huge deal in September and now nobody, now everybody just forgets about it. Yeah, I agree. And, but yeah, there's, there's 18 seasons. The, the biggest example is like the MVP conversation. Like two weeks ago it was Dak, then it was Purdy. Now it's Lamar. And then if, if they lose to um, the Dolphins, that'll be Tua. Like every week, there's sort of a lot of odds change. But I, I still do think that this is that's it. Like it's going to be the, uh, not that that's it, but th- those are still my two top teams to make the Super Bowl. Right, and, and I mean, people are talking about like I, I think people are very much overreacting to this when it comes to Brock Purdy. I mean, first of all, I don't think Purdy should have been MVP. I, I think that he's riding the waves of a very good system. I'm not saying he's bad or doesn't deserve any credit, but that's not MVP worthy what he's done. Uh, he's just in a really good system right now. I mean, like a, a player like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen would are actual MVPs more so than somebody like Brock Purdy is. Uh, I, I just think that's a clear overreaction. But but also it's like he played a bad game against arguably the best defense in the NFL. It's not the end of the world that that happens. I mean, we've seen the best quarterbacks lay eggs in some games and often against bad teams, namely the jets. Uh, We've seen Josh Allen lay eggs and Patrick Mahomes, who seems to be losing it right now. I mean, it's not exactly the end of the world that a player like Purdy is like had a bad game. Like, yeah, I don't know. No, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, there's, there's a lot of reaction. Yes, of course. I, I mean, I could see, it's not like he's uh, it's not like he's going to get benched for the for the season and Sam Darnold comes in. By the way, it would be pretty incredible if Sam Darnold wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, it would be. I I, I was actually I'm still I was always high on Sam Darnold and I always thought he didn't get that, you know, fair shake in in, in New York, but yeah, I it would it would be uh it would be something. And it would yeah. be something if they won basically like the year after they got rid of Garoppolo. Like yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the Niners, I mean, they're a very, they're a very complete team. They're, they don't, they're not so much like most teams who have like a star quarterback and then everybody else. It's more like they have a star running, they have Debo Samuel and then everybody else. I mean, I, I think they easily bounce back from this. It's, it just feels like a big deal in the moment, but if two weeks go by, especially yeah. if the consensus is that the Ravens are the best team, they don't look so bad anymore. Yes, completely. All right, so I, I want to get into some of this. Actually, uh, some of this stuff. Uh, Russell Wilson is benched. Uh, Sean Pay- for what seems a, like kind of a nefarious reason. Um, there wasn't. Uh, uh, I mean, at this point, he's benched when they still technically have a shot at the playoffs. Uh, th- this seems a little, apparently seems a little bit like a contract thing, uh, which, uh, it, it, but Sean Payton is just trying to make a bunch of excuses for it. Well, yeah, so he's on the, so it feels like they're going to move on from him. And then um, he gets this guaranteed money every year. So it starts on the fifth day of the league season, which I think the league season starts in, March, so it's somewhere in March, and then he gets like a certain amount of guarantee money. It's a lot of money, and so the one thing that they want is if they're going to move him, they need him to be healthy. Right. So that's the main basis of this decision. So they're afraid that he's going to get injured. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes some sense. If he tears, if he tears his ACL, then he's under contract. He gets all this, you know, guaranteed money when he's not playing. Right. So. You can you can't move him, so I actually pro- so it probably didn't even come from Sean Payton this decision. It probably came from the front office. Of course, possibly. Move them. Yeah, because Sean Payton doesn't really have much of a, 
that doesn't really have much of a, an incentive to bench Russell Wilson. The thing now is that you have to say like that. Well, first of all, anybody obviously could would say that Seattle won the trade easily, but you have to say like that there has to be sort of some narrative on Russell Wilson. I mean, he, he left with a, a Super Bowl winning coach with Pete Carroll. He couldn't work with, and the Seahawks have been good for the roster they have since he left. And then he now has a Super Bowl winning coach in uh, Sean Payton, and they couldn't even make it a season together. Yeah, well, what, what what do you think that narrative should be other than that his career just kind well, of then, made a he took a downturn, but then all the a lot of issues that were happening with the team are probably more on Russell Wilson than they are on the coach. I, I, I think a fair amount of it is on Russell Wilson, although to be fair – the Broncos did gain some momentum this year. I mean, I don't think anybody would dispute that they're better with Sean Payton than without him. Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying though, also, but also like if, if, if Pete Carroll was like the problem, like the team rallied around Pete Carroll when Russell Wilson left, not the opposite. Right. Which right. a lot of times happens. Like if a guy and a coach, like a lot of times the, the players will take the other player's side. But in this coach case, they played really well for Pete well, Carroll. Well, when you say the narrative about Russell Wilson, you mean more about him personally or about him as a player? Yeah, like personally what goes on in the locker room and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know what goes on in the locker room. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the, the, I feel like a lot of narrative was like it was Pete Carroll and, and Russell Wilson were the problem, but maybe it was just him. Well, I think Russell Wilson just sort of reached his heyday. And I think that what you have to remember is that like star running backs or receivers, but especially running backs, for instance, are sometimes really good for a very short period of time. And – Quarterbacks tend to last longer in stardom. And Russell Wilson hasn't lasted as long as <clears throat> as, as he's been expected to, uh, which is – the I mean, look, he's still a Hall of Fame player, but I haven't seen a player's – a quarterback's career take a downturn going from one team to another quite like Russell Wilson. I mean, I also think that, that Tom Brady kind of – warped people's brains in that that a quarterback is going to be good for as long yeah. as he was like that's not extremely untypical like even even Aaron Rodgers has been good but he, he you know he was he didn't well, have it's not just Tom Brady I think it's all the star quarterbacks uh not not for his, the longevity though. I mean Russell Wilson is only 34 I think Right, but so a lot of people think yeah so that's a time when a guy's career But Aaron Rodgers was 34 he was still great yeah. So everybody, I think it's like that with everybody. Peyton Manning was great until he was probably 37 or 38. I would say, I mean, I would say until the end of the very end of the 2014 season, Peyton Manning was great. And then he was horrible. I mean, it, it, it's not just Tom Brady. It's the whole star quarterback thing. Like a whole bunch of these guys have shown that you can be great into your late thirties, early forties. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but that's not always typical. So no, it's not, it's not always going to work that way, obviously. Uh, And, you know, obviously a bunch of other stuff happened like uh, the jets almost uh, imagine like everybody would be calling for Robert Salas head. If the jets had lost the meaningless game that we probably shouldn't care about too much. I mean, the thing that I would say about the Jets is uh, it's obvious that one person is running the entire team, correct? Aaron Rodgers? Yes. I wouldn't say running the entire team. I mean, remember, the the, the Jets announced this only after he said it on McAfee. And you – okay, even you have to admit, I know that you don't think he's whatever, but if – Aaron Rodgers was not there. Robert Sala would be fired at the end of the season. If if not for Aaron Rodgers, you're saying if, if not Rogers for Aaron Rodgers. If not as influential, if Rodgers, forget if he was there. If he was not as influential, Sala would be fired. I mean, um, be well, it's Jeff. hard to play the counterfactual because what situation right. would we be in? I, I mean, I don't know because the reason I say I don't know is because something it's hard to play the counterfactual because if Aaron Rodgers weren't there and say we did something else, we would be in a completely different position. 
So it's kind of hard to say. Like, here's the thing. If Aaron Rodgers weren't there, it is pretty safe to say that, well, I wouldn't say safe to say, but there's no guarantee that we would be in this current quarterback situation where we where our best quarterback is Zach Wilson. I mean, let's say we had gotten Gardner Minshew, Carson Wentz, whoever, I don't know, even stuck with Joe Flacco for all we know. I mean, we might be a potential playoff team. So it's just so hard to play this counterfactual of where we would be because we wouldn't be in this current predicament if not for Aaron getting Aaron Rodgers. Um, also, it, you have to remember there is a light at the end of this tunnel, which is Aaron Rodgers coming back next season. Uh, and he might never be the same. We don't know. But the point is why it, it makes sense that the Jets would do this. I mean, I know a lot of people roll their eyes at star players like controlling teams, but I mean, it does make a certain amount of sense that they don't want to rock the boat and get a and bring in a head coach that might not be any better than Sala that Rodgers doesn't like. I, I just say I don't know, honestly. That's the only honest answer because it depends on the situation. I mean without Aaron Rodgers, it's like the whole butterfly effect thing. Everything is so different. How can you really know how that would work? Um, And, and, you know, look, it's his third season, all right? So he's had some time, but, I mean, typically he would probably get one more season. Typically, under Jets standards, I would say, he'd likely get another season. Todd Bowles had four years. He would likely get four years. Rex Ryan had six years. Only Adam Gates was fired after two seasons, and that's because he was really bad. And I don't even think Adam Gates was as bad as people said he was. He really didn't have good quarterbacks. Um, right. Yeah. True. But Adam Gates, the, under Adam Gates, the Jets were just so bad that – and there was just so much pressure on the Jets that they had to fire him. Mm. Yeah. No question. So – it is hard to say. Um, so I want to get into some of these games against the spread. Dolphins at the Ravens. Uh, Ravens minus three and a half, although it might be down to three now. Um, so Ravens coming off uh, uh, Ravens coming off a big win. Expectations are high. Dolphins also coming off a big win. So both of them are in potential letdown territories. Um, I like the Ravens. This is a gauntlet of a game for the Dolphins. Uh Beating playing Dallas on the road is not on the same. Sorry, playing Dallas at home uh, is not the same thing as playing the Ravens on the road. This is a much tougher matchup. Uh, and the Dolphins, to me, they still are a team that has a lot to prove. Uh, people don't, they, they have a lot to prove. Uh, it, to me, also, like I don't really believe in them in some sort of way. Um, I love their offense. I don't think their defense is good enough. And the Ravens, I think, are – I think they're just a level above them right now. Um, I'll take the Dolphins. First of all, first thing I want to say, it's I, I don't understand at all how this game is at 1 o'clock. This is ridiculous that this game is at 1 o'clock. I, uh, this game should have been flexed. Um, but uh, the one thing I'll say about uh, – I just think that this is a, a going to be a letdown spot. I mean, when you think about the Rams played the Jaguars and the Niners, which everybody said was going to be like these big litmus tests. Um, and the Dolphins have had a couple of easier games in a row. Um, I, I, I feel like this could be a big letdown spot. Everybody's expecting Baltimore to uh, – everyone's expecting Baltimore to, to come out and probably win this game and prove themselves. I, I do agree Baltimore is the best team, but – I do think that letdown spots happen. So I'll take Miami. I think Baltimore maybe wins and Miami covers. Okay. Three and a half, so that's not exactly – that's not unfathomable. Um, I, I think there could be a situation where the Dolphins lose but prove them to be, like, better than people thought. Like, like if they lose by a field goal – like, if the Dolphins cover the spread, I think that they really prove themselves. As opposed to if they get blown out. Not that it matters in the standings, but in public opinion. Yes, it does. The Dolphins take the one seed. Oh, you mean if they don't? No, I mean if they they lose or play well. Uh, It's also a game where you could get hooked immediately. Like, I could also see this being a game where you get hooked where, like, 
the the Ravens are up by ten with twenty seconds left, and the Dolphins score a touchdown to make it three. Like I could see it being one of those games as well. Well, like a backdoor cover. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I could always see that. I mean, the Dolphins have a have an amazing. They statistically have the best offense in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't. I guess we'll. I guess we'll have to see. I mean, it, it, the Dolphins have a lot to play for. Yeah. Like, um, and okay. So I also want to do this game: Lions at Cowboys Saturday night game. It's always strange to see Saturday night NFL games. Uh, Cowboys are giving six. Um, okay, so I like the Lions. Uh, I think six points is too much. Uh, I, I don't. I think the Cowboys win outright, but I think it's closer than six. I think the Lions are as good as anybody. Uh, well, not as good as anybody, but as good as the Cowboys right now. Um, and I don't know six. It, I, I just feel like six points right now is a little too much. No, I disagree. I, I have I have no faith in the Lions at all. I don't think the Lions None. are no, because like like if you look at their schedule, they've again they're playing the NFC North all the time. Their defense is bad. Yes, they won the division, but also they barely beat Minnesota, who's on a backup quarterback. They barely got out of that game. Lost, lost the Bears, should have lost the Bears twice, got blown out by the Packers. I, I, I just have no faith in the Lions, and I think the Cowboys are a better team. The Lions, to me, feel like a team that could go win their division, be the three seed, and get bounced in the first round, honestly. So I, I, I think the Cowboys – and the Cowboys are coming off two losses. They're home. Like you said earlier, they're demonstrably a better team at home. They are. Drastic they're very better at home. Yeah. So I, I got the Cowboys. I think the and, and it's prime time. Like I just think the Cowboys win by a lot. Well, I, I agree that the Cowboys are. I agree with you that the Cowboys are a better team than the Lions overall. I just think the Lions can keep it within six. I mean, the Lions they can still score a lot of points. Um, I mean, I could also see on either side there being some type of backdoor cover. Um, that yeah, I, I, I can see that happening too. I agree. I, I do agree with you on some of those on some of those things that the Lions' defense isn't great, and they've shown a lot of weakness um, throughout the season. I just think they can keep it close against 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 a good team. I think they can at least keep it close. Um, another one: Steelers at Seahawks minus three and a half. Love the Steelers to cover. Really love the Seahawks. Yeah, I love the Seahawks. Seahawks at home. Both these teams desperate to win this game. Um, I, I don't know. Steelers going across the country to well, to, they have to cover the. Uh, I, I, the Steelers are the, the Steelers, Steelers really aren't all that bad. I don't know. I, I'm not big on the Steelers. They, I, I think they are. I think like I mean, like the games they lost: Patriots, Cardinals. Quarterback situation kind of stinks. I, I like Seattle here. I, I, I'm really not sold on Seattle. I'm not that sold um, on Seattle. But I, I think it's more an indictment on the Steelers than. So you, your pick is more anti-Steelers than pro Seattle. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, but by the way, I think the Seahawks would win outright. I think they'll win outright. I just think the Steelers will cover three and a half. Yeah, I see that. That's a, 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 and, and these teams are pretty evenly matched. I would say. Like yeah, both maybe these teams the above average sort of like murky quarterback situations. Yeah, they're both borderline playoff teams. Yeah, both right borderline playoff teams. Um, okay, so I, I want to get into some of this stuff. So apparently there is, just, as a show that does a lot of gambling, apparently this UNLV game was allegedly fixed. The, uh, UNLV versus New Mexico. No, so, well, that's that was a game early in the season, but the game that we're focusing on right now is... Oh, UNLV Kansas. Kansas. So there was a game earlier in... Uh, UNLV played uh, New Mexico in the, on November 4th, uh, and the line, the uh, UNLV was 10-point favorites to start, and they closed as 16-point-and-a-half-point favorites, which is a lot for, uh, which is a lot for um, a, a November, a game that didn't have an injury in a November 4th game against New Mexico. Like, who's paying attention to that enough to spread the lines? And uh, so there was a alert on the integrity, um, the CEO of the Gambling Integrity uh, 
committee did get an alert about that six and a half points favorite. And he said in a, in a comment, he said the odds movement and wagering activity was the most abnormal we've ever seen for a game. It didn't involve a major injury. Um, there was also reports of that game that um, there were multiple accounts created just to wager on that specific game, uh, which is odd for again, an early November game in, uh, in uh, the mountain West which is, and as you know, like if there's a game that not a lot of people are betting on and people bet on it, it'll sway the line because not a lot of people yeah. are betting. So, so then we get to this game the other day uh, in Arizona um, on the day after Christmas and the line jumped again. It was UNLV plus 13 and a half at nine o'clock in the morning and then getting to uh, seven o'clock at night, it went to uh, UNLV plus eight and a half, which is a gigantic jump when there's no injury. Um, five points is a lot. Um, a lot of quarterbacks won't even sway a line five points. Um, and, uh, there were some rumors about the players, some players being injured, but none of them were true. Um, and then when it happened, uh, Kansas was, uh, penalized 18 times, which is the record for the most penalties in a single postseason college football game. Uh, they were flagged 18 times for 216 yards. And uh, according to a lot of people who watched the game, most of them were questionable calls as uh, UNLV was only penalized half that. Um, okay. Now, we, I should point out um, uh, Kansas uh, won um, by uh, – they won by 13. So um, – they covered the spread. Kansas did cover. Uh, if you got it at 13, then you would have pushed it. Um, so, okay. But, so, the, okay. That, okay. Yeah. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything in terms of um, that something fishy wasn't going on. Well, something fishy could have been going on. It's hard to argue that the game was fixed. Necessarily. Well, not fixed, but when Arizona State had their point shaving scandal in basketball uh, 30 years ago, they didn't win every single game. You know, they didn't. They didn't cover every single game. Um, they were just they, more likely to even cover. Tim, even even like the Tim Donahue stuff, they were only winning seventy five percent, which is an insane amount for gambling. But it's not a hundred percent. Although allegedly the games that apparently like the NBA with the Tim Donaghy thing, the NBA did an investigation and found that I don't know how true this is, but and found that there was actually no relation between him betting on those it, he, they, they found that him betting on the games didn't affect his officiating that's bullshit i don't know i don't really believe that i did think you watch, did you watch the documentary no so in the documentary he gets caught doing what he was doing and first of all he says he says oh basically he says that he was giving people information organized crime information because not based on like whatever but based on he knows this game uh, the, the league wants an emphasis on Kobe Bryant being fouled when he goes to the paint. So bet on the Lakers because the league wants to emphasize Kobe Bryant's going to get fouled a lot. He claims that. But also, I, I don't agree with him that he says it didn't get get into his psyche. Like, if you, I, yeah. if you knew if you knew it was a five-point spread and it's a four-point game, you don't think you're going to call fouls. Like, on a, like, subconsciously, even you would do it. Um, Not even just subconsciously, consciously. But the point is that when he got caught, the FBI made an agreement with him that um, or the M- somebody FBI NBA that he was going to wear a wire and go get other refs to admit that they did it. But the day before he was about to do it, the daily news came out with the story that he'd been arrested. So of course, no, no one's going to talk to him. Um, right. But there was um, Tim Don. You, do you, I, so at the end of the uh, documentary, I don't know if you know this story, if it was outside the documentary, but uh when they arrested Don, he, they, they took his phone um, records and he had made thousands and thousands of calls to, um, to someone during ga- before games, during halftime of games and after games. And the person that he was calling was Scott Foster. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, so there, there's a lot, like a lot of stuff that goes on. And there's no question that with the more legalization of gambling, you're going to see more stuff like this. Well, I don't know if you're going to see more stuff like this just because gambling is legal. I, I mean, it, it happened a lot when gambling was illegal too. 
It's easier to get away with. See, I, I don't know about that, though. It, it might not be easier to get away with. I mean, it, people often say that, like, the problem with legalized sports gambling is all of these problems are going to happen. But they happened a lot when they when gambling was illegal, too. I, I don't know how true that all that is. I mean, it, it, I, it's always an issue no matter what. I mean, the 1950s, there was a whole thing. Uh, the 50s well, and not, 60s. The 1919 World Series was thrown. Yeah, that too. So that was it's always been an issue. There was also like what they had to do, like there was a documentary on Netflix about Arizona State basketball had a point shaving scandal. And the guy, this is like the 90s, so it's before the, the the days of mobile phones and stuff. So the guy who who was like orchestrating it, he was betting against Arizona State because it's easier to bet on the um on the favorite to point shave than the underdog. Um but or sorry, it's easier to bet on the underdog than the, the right, favorite. Right. Um, but uh, he so he had to go to seven different casinos in Vegas because he, it would arouse suspicion if he was like betting an insane amount on this college basketball game in February. Yeah, like so he, he actually had a bunch of guys go to like seven different casinos, which is that the story here reminded me where you said they said they had gambling accounts created just just to bet on New Mexico UNLV in in uh, November, like someone had some inside knowledge probably. Yeah. That, that sounds very bizarre that if people, I mean, the thing is creating a gambling account is pretty easy. All you need is an email address and a credit card. Right. A- anybody can do it. Uh, it. There's not a whole lot of. Right. And there's nothing technically illegal about um, betting a lot on a game. You can bet on any game you want. But- yeah. Yeah, obviously, if you have inside knowledge and stuff, then it's then- right. The point is, why would they? Why would so many people be betting on this it's particular? Suspicious. Yeah, it's suspicious. It's, it's very. It's certainly suspicious. I mean, but- when you talked about the whole like the refs thing, I don't know how much of, how much that proves. I mean, you could probably do things like that with a lot of games. Um, it looks a little suspicious, but I don't think it proves anything. You know, there was a guy. Um, in the, um, I forget who it was. I might have been Sammy the Bull. I think it might have been Sammy the Bull. When he was arrested and and talked to the FBI, he was on under oath. So you know, you you, you would assume that that's probably accurate. Saying that he had several NBA refs on the take in the nineteen nineties. I mean, I I find it hard. I think that anybody also you will agree also that it's probably very hard to believe that. Tim Donahue was a sole was the only person ever in the history of the league's ref that has been compromised. I can't imagine that that's possible. Right. Um, I, he was caught. My question is: Do you think it's worse in the? Do you think the NBA has it's the worst in the NBA? Yeah, because I, I think it's worse in the NBA also because. There's also so many officials in football and so many things to cover and stuff like that. But the, don't you think that could also make it easier in the NFL? I mean, the NFL is like you, you can yeah. make things up as you go. You could be like holding unnecessary roughness. Yeah, but blah, again, blah, blah. The, the, according to them, Donahue wasn't fixing games. He was telling them inside information. He was basically insider trading. Right, um, right. But he knew – but he was betting on the games based on inside information that he knew. right. So he wasn't like fidget. Yeah. So Scott Foster, yeah, he got someone just uh, Scott Foster got 134 calls from October to 2006 to 2007. I don't Dunham. think, I don't, think I don't think I've received 50 calls from you in 10 years. No. <laughs> like that is a little weird. When, when they asked Donahue about it, he was like, he, so the calls were during – some of them were before games. Some of them were at halftime of games. Some of them yeah. were halftime games that they were having. And he was like, oh, me and Scott Foster are really – like our families are friends, are really good friends. During halftime of games, you're fu- – no, you're not calling somebody to see what's up during halftime of But games. also, it's not like he did it once or twice. He did it numerous times. Hundreds. 50, 54 before and after games. I mean, come on with that. Yeah, like, so Donahue's call – Donaghy's call to Foster took place immediately before and after games. Donaghy was officiating 54 times. That's crazy. Mm. That's that's very fishy. That's what I'm saying. Like, and and so that was Donaghy was going to get caught. Was going to basically wear a wire, and you know. Um, and then the story came out. Why did they? 
It was the Daily News did it, yeah. The Daily News broke this. Couldn't the police have, like, tried to get them to not break the Yeah, stories? I don't know. You can't really do that, I guess. But You, you can't. Yeah. You're right. But I mean, like, not, I, I, mean, I mean, like, they can't threaten them. But I guess if they go to them and say, it would be really great. I guess if the FBI goes to you and says, it would be really great if you don't break the story. That basically, in effect, is threatening them. So the, also the website mbastuffer.com says that home teams have won 75% of the games this postseason in which Foster was the main referee. So last postseason with road teams getting called for 51, 55% of the fouls. 54.1. Yeah. Also, obviously something goes on with Scott Foster and Chris Paul. Right? I mean. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing of all the sports, when it comes to officiating and integrity, the NBA definitely has the worst reputation. By far. And yeah. I, sometimes I think it's somewhat of a double standard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens a little bit in every sport. Right. Um, the thing is, in, say, baseball, it's very hard to do. Because baseball is much more about, like, balls and strikes. And whether or not you're safe or out is very objective. Like, calls in baseball are usually pretty objective. It's either this or yeah. it's that. It's yeah. not like in basketball where, is this a foul or not? It's kind of a gray area. Or in Correct. the NFL, in football, is there is this a pass interference? I don't know. Should this be called holding? I don't know. It, it Whereas in baseball, I mean, everything in baseball, in, even balls and strikes, are relatively objective. I mean, every every there's always a strike zone, and you can see objectively if the if the ref, if the umpire made the right call. I mean, there's a little bit of gray area, like if it's right at the very edge or whatever, it might not be perfect, but it, it's pretty obvious what the right and wrong at, uh, calls are in baseball, in football. In basketball, there's so much gray area. Well, they, yeah, I I agree. You know, the the, the craziest stat that I, I think I've ever found is that um, Shoeless Joe, when the White Sox threw the uh, 19, I think it was 1919 World Series, Shoeless Joe hit 350 in that World Series. Imagine what he would have hit if he wasn't throwing it. I mean, hitting 350 in a World Series while throwing it is, um, is one of the most. Well, I would bet batting averages at the time were much higher than they are today. I'm not sure, but yeah. Oh, come on. Well, the the only person there's only one person who's ever hit over four who's ever hit four hundred though. So. But I'm saying on average it was probably more common. I mean, how many players hit three hundred now? I don't know. Starling Marte a couple of years ago did. Yeah. But that's about it. I, I, not a whole <laughs> I mean, there's not a whole lot of players that hit three hundred, including the biggest stars. <laughs> um it also goes to show you like how different the game was when a guy throwing the series. Right, exactly. It could bet uh, it could hit 350. It it also just feels like it feels almost like it was in a galaxy far far away because it was so long ago. Right, right. right. I mean there was no NBA, there was no NFL, there was only baseball. 1990 I mean just the world was just so vastly different at the time. And you could probably get away with it more. You could arguably get away with it more easily oh, yeah. at the time. There was I mean you have to remember the mob was a really big thing at the time, a lot more than it is yeah. today. Oh yeah, certainly. I, I mean, now it's now it's like the the crime is usually it, now it's more like gangs or disorganized crime. At the time, it was organized crime. It, it is it, just society was different in a lot of ways that would make it much more likely for something like that to happen. Well, so by the way, just just like you said, uh, it was. Um, like you said, it was a different time. The the players involved in the scandal received five thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that is like a joke. Equivalent to today is eighty four thousand dollars, and the the main guy got thirty five thousand dollars, which is equivalent to five hundred thousand dollars. Still, like insane. I mean, now players aren't even now players aren't even uh, they're fined more than. Five thousand dollars, right? Right. right. <laughs> like, it just feels crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I find, I, I find all of this stuff to be just totally fascinating mm, with agreed. sports gambling. Um, I don't know if anything's going to come out. Uh, I mean, nobody. Uh, I, I mean, it, it just looks really bad for college football. I don't think the NCAA wants it to come out. I mean, they they have very strict rules with gambling. Uh, I mean. Every sport is like that. They're just their biggest fear is 
the integrity of the game being compromised. Right, right. I mean, it, steroid guys are probably not going to get into the Hall of Fame, but that might that that'll happen before Pete Rose does. Yeah, I agree. Like you know, so anyway, I want to get into some of this. Speaking of all this college football stuff, uh, I want to talk about the playoffs a little bit. Uh, Alabama versus Michigan. The line is up to two. Forty-four and a half is the over/under. Um, I will say, I think people are really big on Michigan. Uh, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I, I will. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion at all. I would take Michigan minus two because the line is so small right now. But it, it, I think it's going to be close. Uh, Michigan. Both teams have shown some weakness. Uh, Zach Zinter, their best offensive, Michigan's best offensive lineman, is injured. He got injured against Ohio State. They haven't looked great against Iowa. Uh, so I don't know. Who, who do you like this game? Yeah, I agree. Michigan. I, I just think Alabama doesn't really have a quarterback. They've sh- they struggled some games. I, I They struggled against South Florida. They struggled against Auburn. Need a miracle to beat Auburn. I, I just think Michigan's Michigan, I think, can beat you so many ways. Um, yeah. I, I like Michigan. I think Michigan is right now. Michigan seems like the best team in college football. Uh, they have their quarterback play is, I think is at least a little bit better than, uh, than Alabama's. Uh, and I think, uh, their team is deeper. They are a better, they would beat Alabama at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but like I said, they've also shown signs of weakness too. I, I mean, look, I think both teams will likely bring the best versions of each. Re- I think that, that will bring the best versions of themselves. Nick Saban has had like a month to prepare for this. It is true. Alabama ha- has shown signs of weakness a lot worse than Michigan has, although it hasn't been as, I, I mean, look, you can get, you can get the Alabama team that almost lost to Auburn, or you can get the Alabama team that beat Georgia. What team are you more likely to get? I think it'll be more likely that we get the Alabama team that beat Georgia, something closer to that than the team that almost lost to Auburn. Um, you also have to remember Michigan Michigan is a bit banged up. Like I said, Zach Zinter, their best offensive lineman, is injured. And they ran the ball terribly against – and they didn't look great against Iowa. So we just don't know – like I, a lot of people are really big on Michigan. I don't think this game is in any way a foregone conclusion. Um, I, I think they win by a little bit. I, I could see this game being a little kind of like a, a low scoring game. And you know what? Because of this game is just going to be so physical and probably more lower scoring than most playoff games. I, whoever like gets off to a good start is going to affect the game a whole lot. Yeah, but but with this, you're really Anything under three points, you're really basically picking a team to win. Right, pretty much. So you're basically picking. And college football is different than a lot of the sports in that the best team normally wins in college football. Well, um, yeah, that's arguable. So in this one, you're basically picking a pick em. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the best team usually does win. I mean, I don't always think, though, that – I mean, I don't know. There's been some years where the bet, where I don't know if the best team won. But you're right in, in some way. Um, not the whole not the whole thing. I'm just saying in a game, in a given game. But, but in this game, I, I think this game is a lot closer. Like, I, I think this game is, is – I think these teams are more evenly matched than the public would think. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like I, I think Alabama. Look, it, it still is Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 it is tough to bet against Nick Saban. And you have to remember, with college football, even more than in the NFL, teams really take a long time to sort of fully develop in a season. And like, I, I mean, I do understand Alabama has shown weakness uh, against weak teams in the past this season. Although this time Saban, like I said, has a full month to uh, prepare. So I, I think both, I, I think both teams will likely uh, bring it, bring their a games. Um, but I, I just think Michigan right now, Michigan is just a deeper team. They're a tougher team. They have better quarterback play uh, and Alabama, like, like post COVID actually post 
2020, not post-COVID, because the COVID year Alabama team was great, but post two years ago, th- uh, three years ago. Yeah, since Georgia took over, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mi- Michigan has been – Alabama's been kind of uh, – Alabama hasn't been the same. They haven't been bad, but they haven't they, – they've, they've, uh, they've regressed a little bit, and Michigan has been great. Uh, so – but right now, I think Michigan right now is just the more talented team. Yeah, I agree. I'm going with Michigan. Yeah, and I think they have a better defense too. Although you have to be careful because Alabama has a great pass rush. Without, you know, if their offensive line is too banged up and they can't run the ball like they did against Iowa, that can be a problem. And I think Alabama can cause them some problems. Um, but yeah, I would still take Michigan. And I would take the under too. Yeah, I agree. I would probably take the under. Um, so Washington versus Texas, a very different game, 63 and a half, or is it 64? Yeah, 63 and a half. Uh, a very different game. Um, honestly, I was surprised Washington even got to this game, got to this point. All throughout the season, I was very big on Washington being the weakest um, undefeated team. I think I might have been wrong about that because they were able to win a bunch of these games. Uh Here's the thing. Washington has an amazing pass game. They have the best pass game in college football. But other than the fact that they have a really great quarterback and a team that, and they can score a lot of points, they've shown lots of signs of weakness throughout the year. I mean, they've often given up big leads. Um, I don't think their defense is very good. They have by far the weakest defense uh, in, they have by far the weakest defense in college football this year. Um, the only thing is like, you you just, you you just never know with these games. And I mean, Texas is more physical than them. Uh, they have a much better defense than Washington. I I would go with Texas minus four. Yeah. I don't have a ton on this game, but I I will say I like Texas a lot better. I agree that I thought Washington was the weakest team. And we talked about this on another episode, but Texas was 30 seconds away from being undefeated for the entire season. So I, I think Texas is actually underrated one of the better teams and uh it's gonna be texas michigan i think but i think this is more of a foregone conclusion than uh than the other game and i think that if you get it within a touchdown that's pretty good yeah i mean i don't think either are foregone conclusions it's just that if i'm gonna pick a team like washington i mean look i'm not the type of person that says we need the more physical the more physical team is always better obviously that's not true um but texas is more well-rounded than washington uh, I mean, Washington's quarterback play is better, and they have, uh, like I said, statistically a much better offense. But you also have to remember the fact that Washington is not well, – I guess you could say kind of say the same thing about Texas. They're in the Big 12. But they, they're they not always going against the best defenses. And Washington – they've almost lost to a lot of really bad teams. Um, I, get, I mean, look, winning games when it's close in and of itself is a skill that I don't think should be overlooked. But – they have shown like they do tend to give up really big leads and make a lot of big mistakes. And I don't like their defense very much. Um, and I don't know. I, I think Texas's physicality should be able to overpower them. Yeah, I agree. I'm, 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 I also, I also like the over, I could see them both putting up like over 30 points. Yeah. I would take Texas on the over as well. Uh, and by the way, I'm not working that day. So I'll be able to watch the entirety of both games. There you go. This is the great, one of the best times of the year, both season. Yeah. Um, all right. So Pistons break the losing streak record, um, a single season record. And if they lose tonight, they tie the record and break it or tie it. They'll it, tie the 28. Tie it. Okay. Philly did 28 over two years during the uh, process years. And um, Pistons are at 27. And tonight uh, they are, or, or tonight, the night that we're filming this, so by the time this airs, they will likely have lost to the Celtics in Boston. It's a 16-and-a-half-point spread. Uh, so that will tie it. And then if we're playing the schedule game, then they play Toronto. That one, I, th- I think, could break the, the streak. Against, I was hoping – I know you were saying it before. You, we were both hoping that they would break it against the Nets. Yeah, I, I'm i an avid Nets hater. Um, especially I, – I think that – I actually I, I started hating the Nets 
Not, I didn't hate the New Jersey Nets, but I, I, I started hating the Nets in the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett uh, years. Um, so started you, started, you started hating the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I would have loved that, uh, especially because they were, like, some of their fans who were talking like shit after uh, they beat the Suns in Phoenix, and then the Nets didn't win a game after that besides beating the Pistons, so uh, whatever. But um, the Pistons schedule does get a little easier. They got Houston and Toronto and uh, Utah, and then the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors aren't that great. And they do play uh, Houston twice this month. And then the the, the game of the year is on Martin Luther King Day, which is the two and twenty currently two and twenty eight Pistons at the five and twenty five Wizards. Um, that that game should almost be put on ABC prime time. Like, <laughs> what a matchup! The Pistons, the Wizards owe the Pistons the biggest thank you in the world because the Wizards are absolutely horrible. Yeah, and nobody's really noticing. So are the Spurs. Yeah, the Spurs and Wizards are both horrible. Uh, I, I it reminds me of the time I when I went to a Wizards game when I was in Washington D.C. and they said. Uh, in their their tradition, I guess, is to stand until yeah, uh, the Wizards score a basket. We were standing for like the first five minutes. It was John Wall's rookie season. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it was right around the time he did the Dougie. Yeah, that that period, and then the uh, yeah, and if if you remember, um, one of the years where the Knicks were really good, um, not they weren't really good, but around the time they had Carmelo, they lost sixteen in a row. Yeah. Remember that? Um, yeah. So I, I. But the thing is, Pistons fans are also Lions fans mostly. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I would trade Pistons. I would trade Pistons. I would trade places with a Pistons Lions fan right now. No, I would not. You would not because they they haven't won the division since we've been alive. Like this is the first time winning the division, even like. So imagine like all those years. Okay, but okay, but imagine like I know that, but like right now. The Lions are at least a good team. I'd rather ha- root for a team that is absolutely going to be a playoff team, and also a team that sucks and is horrible than to root for. Yeah, teams but one of the, one of our teams is absolutely going to be a playoff team. The Knicks are certainly going to the playoffs. So yeah, that's true. I guess you could say that. And yeah, I mean, and it's worse. Like I don't know. It's it, it's Lions is worse than Jets too. Like, but I, I don't know. I feel like the Lions have more of a chance than the Jet than the Knicks do. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, so even when the Knicks make the playoffs sometimes, it ends up ending so badly. It does, but I, I, the trade deadline still hasn't happened yet. So, we'll see. Um, all right. So, I, I do want to get into some other some of these these other stories. You see this Burger King story offering discounts for people with hangovers? Yeah. So, it's a, this week only through uh, January 1st where they said that they're going to use facial recognition on certain customers to uh, determine the size of the combo and the size of the uh, of the um, of the discount that should be given, I, I, I love this. By the way, I'm a person who uh, frequently does get hangovers, and I like whenever I have a hangover, I, I always feel like I'm gonna dive into like a pool full of Coca Cola. I always want Coca Cola. I mean, um, being hungover is legitimately the worst feeling ever. It's horrible. It's, it's the, worst. the worst feeling ever because you're nauseous, and you also know it's all your fault. It's the worst. It was and spent a lot of money to feel that way. Well, if you remember the classic uh, Ellie Schnitt tweet where she was like, <laughs> "The weirdest thing we do is spend a lot of money to feel like shit the next day." And the, and the thing is, is that like, I I don't know how much money Burger King, or just fast food places in general, bring in just from people being hungover. Because the thing about eating fast food is that it's a desperation attempt. Well, That's yeah, really all it is. It, it is a move of desperation. It's like sleeping with like a chick who's three hundred pounds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It's but like a, you lose all self-respect when you eat fast food. Greasy food helps. Uh, if you want to know what torture is, though, imagine like this is that uh, not only do I get hangovers and I get bad hangovers, but uh, I, I'll go into work with a hangover and I work on a boat. Like imagine being on a, in a on an in motion vehicle hungover all day. Yeah, like, and you work on a boat serving alcohol serving around alcohol. alcohol. Like, I don't even want to hear the word. Like, if you're hungover, you don't want to hear the word alcohol. You're, you're, uh, let so, alone smell it constantly. I'll give it for the viewers, we had a night where uh, we went to the uh, saloon in Pearl River. Shout out to the saloon in Pearl River. And the next day we were hungover. And uh, 
we went to uh, lunch with our friend. I think it was at uh, Hulahan's. It was and, Hula Hands. Uh, and, and like we're, we were that hungover, but like even like the pages on the menu, we didn't want to look at because they had alcohol on them. We were that like sick. And, and the table next to us. Yes, yeah, so the table next to us was a huge group, and they got like gigantic beer towers and like all and these. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, throw up in the restaurant. <laughs> like the worst table you could sit next to when you're hungover. That's why we should have went to Burger King instead. That's next time I'm going straight to Burger King. <laughs> but like, I don't understand the whole facial recognition part of it. What is that? Like, how do they know based on facial recognition? It's probably some bullshit. <laughs> but like, can, can you tell how long over somebody is? No, I don't know. Maybe, maybe from their like, I don't know. Maybe they're like wearing sunglasses or something. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, they could be blind. Yeah, true. <laughs> Stevie Wonder walks in. They're like, oh, you must have a bad hangover. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that really if that really means anything. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think the real answer, if I'm going to give anybody any advice, is don't get hungover. <laughs> probably. <laughs> because, like, but you'll probably experience it at some point in your life. Well, the worst is – there's nothing worse than being hungover and going to the gym too. That's the worst. Like – if, you, yeah. if you've ever had a hangover and went to the gym, like I, I, I'll leave after like five minutes. Like, no, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, right. I mean, you just need water. <laughs> like, I don't know. Water and time. Like a lot of people think when somebody's really drunk, like that if they get them a lot of water and stuff, time is the biggest thing. It is. Like, it is. Uh, yeah. So all this craziness, uh, Burger King, and you know they're, they're going to have to open it across the street from MetLife Stadium. <laughs> yeah, certainly. <laughs> like, uh, oh it, it, how many times do you think J.R. Smith has played in games hungover? Oof. How many games has he played for his career? That's probably the number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's been hungover a lot. There was a, um, uh, Bill Simmons told the story um, where it was uh, – I think he was talking about Garnett. And uh, he said he was stoned at a basketball game. And when you're stoned, you can kind of tell when other people are stoned. And he said he was stoned in a Celtics game, and he could tell that Kevin Garnett was also stoned during the game. That wouldn't surprise me. It, it also wouldn't shock me. I, like, I would bet that being hungover is worse for your performance than being high. Well, food also yeah. tastes food also tastes better. So if, when you're stoned, so if, if Garnett was stoned, then Honey Nut Cheerios must taste amazing. <laughs> I love that reference, Honey. But you know, that, by the way, you know that like Kevin Garnett is. Basically, like, was responsible for Charlie Villanueva retiring because he called him a cancer patient one time. I'm like, he never bounced back. <laughs> Dude, that's uh, I, I guess everybody with alopecia really gets hit, get, gets gets uh, arrow slinged at them. <laughs> did, did you see this uh, story about the pregnant woman on the on the flight? What was it you? Switching seats that she was that she was asking basically Wait, I she had a problem with her yeah seating arrangement and she wanted to uh, move seats with somebody and the person refused to move the seat. It sounds like a Larry David thing a little bit. Which, by the way, I'm I'm a hundred percent on the side of somebody who doesn't move a seat for somebody on an. No, I, I completely agree. He paid extra money for that seat. Right. So the thing, and she just didn't. Like just because she's pre- she's just trying to use the fact that she's pregnant to sit in that seat, which by the way has nothing to do with her being pregnant anyway. Right. Like, what does it's, that have to do with what does her being pregnant have to do with anything? Yeah, and and if you if you know that you're pregnant and it's a problem that for you sitting in certain seats, then you should pay for a different seat, or you should and, plan like, ahead. Yeah, like I I have no sympathy for that. Like I understand like on a, on a subway or something, you should bus you should always stand up for somebody who's pregnant. But when you're buying the seat, right. signing the seat, like. It's That's completely different. different. That, and there are people like that on airplanes all the time. Like people will be like, oh, like, can, you know, my family is sitting over here and we want to sit together. Like, can, can we switch seats? Like, no, like who gives a shit? Like you're going to see. By the way, it's also like, why are you doing it only with people with like better seats? Right, right. <laughs> That's always how it works. It's always somebody with better seats. And it's like, okay, fine. Maybe I'll do it if you pay me the extra, if you pay the difference. Or well, or if I'm if I'm gonna switch seats with someone, it has to be seat for seat. So, for instance, if I have an aisle seat, I have the other person has to have an aisle seat. Like right, I'm, right, it has to be something equal. Yeah, 
Like, well, I, I never understand that. Like, your just because it's your poor planning is not an issue for me to move seats. Right, exactly. So I don't understand. I mean, to be fair, I will say it seems like everybody's on the guy's side on this. Yeah, which is which is kind of surprising. Which is not hard to get, which is a pretty hard thing to get a consensus on the internet. And everybody, I mean, all the comments are like, yeah, this guy's in the Especially life. against a pregnant woman. Yeah, especially against a pregnant woman. You're right. Uh, flying, I, I like to travel, but flying is like maybe one of the most underrated worst things in the world. And it just, it has a lot to do with just other people that are flying. It just, yeah, like so that, that is very true. Um, my favorite thing when I fly is to go to the bathroom. <laughs> On the plane? Yeah, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> I'm not joking. I mean, it gives me something to do. Yeah, there's a lot of entertainment on flights now, but yeah, I, I understand what you mean. But like, I, I, I mean, I also like sometimes get dirty looks if I'm in the bathroom for a long time. <laughs> flying is everything looks suspicious. Yeah, true, true. I mean, it, like, like I know that you know, remember the underwear bomber? Yeah. Well, before he almost blew up the plane, he was in the bathroom for like 20 minutes, <laughs> and then was, the guy. He was doing a different kind of blowing up the plane before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I bought the plane too, you know. Just, yeah. All you got to do is eat the airline food and, you know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, know, it's, like, it's like, you know, your own little space. Yeah, I, I, I kind of don't like the bathrooms on flights, but yeah, flying does suck. It's... Well, the bathrooms, are they're very small. I'll avoid, like, drinking on a plane so that I don't have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Like I'll like not just alcohol. Oh, I do the opposite. I eat extra, so oh, I need yeah. to go to the bathroom. Well, you yeah. I don't know how you don't go so frequently, considering you drink from a water jug that's the size of the Leaning oh, Tower. I do. Know. I do go to the bathroom frequently. <laughs> I do. I pee. This is only half the size of the one I usually drink. Jeez. <laughs> R.I.P. to the uh, to your coworkers at Fox. <laughs> The thing is, peeing is good. You want to let it out. Well, yeah, but I don't get know the toxins out of your system. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you want to drink from a jug of that water of that size, but yeah. Yeah, well, I drink one to two gallons a day. My God. <laughs> Sometimes I can drink a gallon of water before I eat anything. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you have a lot more room. Yeah. Um, all right. So, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, and if you're betting, uh, good luck on your bets. And just don't fix the UNLV game <laughs> if you're yeah. watching. Yeah, take UNLV in your next bet. All right. Peace out, everybody. All right.